Albums are time capsules. For all of us that love music, obviously. We hear an album and it generates memories, it invokes nostalgia. But they're also time capsules for bands. There's a reason we call them records. They're literally recorded pieces of history. Over the next two episodes, we'll be looking at music that bands held back. This is music that was generated at a very particular time in a band's history, but also our collective history. So what happens when you get to hear something old for the first time as new? I'm Michael Higgins, and you're listening to Grow Up and Blow Away by Metric with one of my favorite recurring guests, Isabel Scarlett-Jack. Izzy, how's it going? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm very good. I'm excited about this. I, like, it wasn't until I, I listened to the album, I did a little bit of reading, and I started writing my little intro that I was like, oh, this is gonna actually going to segue perfectly into the next thing that I cover on, on the show. So I'm going to kind of plant a little seed there. And yeah. I, I, I don't know if you want to give it away. because So I, I know that I know about this album and, and the time-gated nature of it, but mm-hmm. are you are you willing to give away what the next one's going to be? Or is oh, that... well, maybe I'll tell you off mic. Uh, and okay, I'll, okay. I'll save it for I'll save it for the mini episode. Uh, I like I this. I like this mystery in, in for the guests. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> if you know what, if you're a regular listener to the show and you listen to the mini episodes at this point, you could probably piece together what I have planned for the next episode. And I do have in a couple of days I've scheduled uh, tentatively to record with, with somebody to cover a very particular uh, set of songs. I don't even know if I nice, want to see nice. the album. Well, no, we'll, no, no. Leave it there. I like we'll it. Leave I like it there. We're going to leave it there, yeah. but we're covering metric grow up and blow away. This was uh, your call. Uh, mm-hmm. You said, Hey, let's, let's do another of, course i always want to record another episode with you because it's always so fun and you said to me i'm feeling you know canadian indie uh scene like i want to dig into maybe we could do some broken social scene or some arcade fire or maybe metric grow up and blow away and i was like your call but i i was leaning i was leaning metric and when you said you know what yeah let's go with metric I was like, yes, <laughs> so, because I think you said you got some stories. I definitely got some I do, stories. Yeah. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, in short, before we get listened to it, though, why'd you pick? Uh, why'd you pick Grow Up and Blow Away? Um, so Metric is one of my favorite bands. Um, they've continued to put out uh, solid music um, ever since like I first heard about them. Um, I've seen them live a number of times. Uh, yep. I've also seen uh, Emily Haynes, like in the soft, like the Emily Haynes and the soft, soft skeleton thing. Um, I've also got a little story about a personal kind of interaction. Love um, it. And uh, so they've always been like kind of in, in the in the mix um, with some of my favorite bands. Um, like the fact that they're Canadian, I'm, I like a lot of the. Um, the interconnectedness of like you mentioned the kind of like broken social scene like toronto music circle from like the two the mid 2000s or early 2000s yeah um i lived in toronto back then i was like a big part of the music scene um i did roll with a lot of those people in terms of like i I had met a lot of them i drank Mm -hmm. with some of them and things like that so it just has a certain like place in my heart and uh and this particular album is a, it's fantastic. It's it's a really good piece of music, um, but 
it's very interesting. And you hinted at it in the intro. Um, it was released in 2007 and it was mm-hmm. like, I don't know, their fifth release or something like that. But it was actually their first recorded album. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess it's like their third, like, like, I guess, full album uh, release, but they recorded it before uh, Old World Underground. Where are you now? Mm-hmm. Which um, was their like break breakthrough? Yeah, well, it was their first that, like album, and it was the breakout yeah, album. Yeah, and that was making the rounds. Uh, my university, and well, you as we listen, we're going to talk about all this fun stuff. Um, yeah. but yeah, it, it, it's this very interesting thing to me where they're just like, you know what? Let's let's release this thing that we recorded like years ago. Years, like we're talking what a five or six years. Uh, like it was, uh, kind of six years, kind of, uh, eight years, depending on, but we'll get Mm. into, we'll get into the specifics because there's an interesting timeline. Very interesting. Um, should we just get, should we just get going here? I I think so. I think, I I think let's, let's rock. Let's do it. Okay. So let me just run through me now. Good, sir. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, <laughs> okay. So, um, for those of you who are new to the show, I'm just going to do a quick little rundown of how this works. So each episode, a guest and I listen to an album, start to finish and chat about it in real time. And you can listen along at home. All you have to do is listen to the countdown and hit play on the album at the same time as you hear the beep on the podcast. And it's going to be like, you're, you're listening right along with us. You're going to be hanging out with me and Izzy and we're going to have ourselves a little listening party and uh, nerd out about metric. Okay. So you good to go? Yeah. All right. Without further ado, grow up and blow away by metric. Three, two, one. Little child's voice at the beginning. Mm. Oh man. Um, oh, just the, the, the synthesizer. The the second you hear these these mono synths, I'm just like, oh man, metric. I'm yes. I'm in I'm in a world. <laughs> and then and then like the beautiful voice of Emily Haynes. I, I mean she, she's just one of my favorite music voices. Adore. Like I absolutely adore. And you said you saw uh Emily Haynes in the soft skeleton, so did I. I so saw technically I didn't. Oh, okay. So should I tell, uh, let's just go right into story time let's and then we'll right get a little bit time. more into the album. So, um, as I mentioned, I was in the Toronto scene. I was like around doing things. And, uh, so I had a friend that we used to go to all these concerts with, and we went to a concert at the horseshoe, uh, in, in Toronto, which is like, as uh, one in college. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we had tickets to that. And uh, then we also had tickets to Emily Haynes, not Emily Haynes and Soft Skeletons. Mm, And that was at the Church of the Redeemer, which is at like uh, Bloor and Bay. Right. So for those of you who live in Toronto, that's about like if you were to walk, say, it's about an hour walk, maybe 45 minutes. Yeah, not exactly Not close. close. Um, and the, the one concert ended 
and we literally we we had no money we were we were kids and uh so we ran we ran from the horseshoe all the way up to the church of the redeemer in order to get to the concert on time yeah and we we go in we didn't know what to expect but we were fans of metric at the time and um this was uh you know, a couple years after the release of World World Underground. And uh, so we go in. The Church of the Redeemer is, in fact, just a church. It's not a concert hall. Yeah. And so we go up to the doors. We're like, this is weird. And we open them up. And somebody's like, do you have a ticket? And it was very, like, kind of like, if you've ever been to, like, a kid's concert or something, it kind of had that vibe. It was, like, very, like, like, Okay, so we handed our ticket over and and it was literally 20 people sitting in pews. Pews. And and there was um a like a grand piano that had been set up and a white sheet that had been like draped from the ceiling. Yeah. And there was a projector and the projector was like projecting black and white pictures and Emily Haynes came out and just like played songs on the grand piano and sang for like an hour and a half. And you're just <laughs> like, like, this is amazing. This is amazing. There's like 20 people. And so, so wait, it's, this oh, isn't even okay. the end of the story. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she plays for like 20 minutes and, or uh, like an hour and 20 minutes. And, and like, we're like, oh, this is great. Like, this is fantastic. And playing uh, solo. And then she stands up at the end and she's like, like and we're clapping and all. And, you know, as you would expect. And then what we didn't expect was she's like, so um, I'm, you know, the table's over there. Uh, I've got like singles printed out of all the, the different songs. If anybody wants to, uh, you know, get one, it's like two bucks a CD or whatever. And then um, also uh, I'd love to get everybody's feedback on like kind of what they thought. So wow. literally like she just talked to us all for like another 45 minutes hour. And like, it was about the music because what this was was she was planning on making the soft skeleton album but she wanted oh. like this was like a prelude to it so she was trying to she was um trying out all those songs and like the versions that we heard weren't necessarily the ones that ended up on the album but it was like the workshop of like what she was doing oh wow okay yeah so um so so this is where all these weird little lines are going to all start to connect when you talk about that Toronto scene and a musician like Emily Haynes and everything that was going on in Toronto at that time. Um, the place you're talking about, I have not been there, but I am like, from what you described, I'm like a 90, 95% uh, certainty that a friend of mine has been to a show there uh, where he saw uh, Silver Mount Zion. If mm -hmm. you're familiar with Silver Mount Zion, just like an offshoot of Godspeed You Black Emperor, who have members that have dabbled in, you know, the do make say think broken social scene of it all. Like th there was a lot of there's like 20 bands in early 2000s Toronto that were like all very incestuous, for lack of mm. a better term, where everybody was working and collaborating on all these different like just the, the if you could draw like a family tree of of all these bands um it's fascinating to me once you start yeah. looking at all the members of these different bands and all these fun connections and things going on um but uh uh the the way that you're describing the venue i'm almost certain 
that a friend of mine saw a show there um, for Silver Mount Zion, which was uh, a side project of one of the members of Godspeed You Black Emperor. Gotcha. Um, so, I'm going to segue quickly to yeah. the song. Mm -hmm. um, this is this is one of my favorite songs from the album. Um, All right. And we're listening to Hardwire right now. Yep. Um, but I just, I love the, I love her voice in this because it's like, it's like playful and it's got the sass that like, that makes metric to me. Right. It's like that little lilt in her voice that just gives it like that little touch of, this isn't quite like, pop rock or like soft rock this is like it's got a little bit of edge to it it's got a little bit of sass it's got that little bit of something that makes like r&b and rock a thing and it's it's subtle but it's yeah there. i mean uh, it, yeah there's something i i to, to me like once you know emily haynes her voice is like unmistakable mm -hmm. uh to me once you're familiar with her, her, her music and like you, you hear her popping up on other people's stuff um Famously with Broken Social Scene, the was yep. anthem of a 17-year-old girl. Anthem of a 17-year-old girl, yeah. Uh, I mean, which is like maybe my most favorite of a Broken Social Scene track. Um, so It's up there. For me, it's 7-4 Shoreline, but... Uh, you know what? Sure. You know what? Okay, I'm going to give you 7-4 Shoreline because like I remember when I just had that as like a bootleg for years before they actually like put stuck it on the, uh, on an album. And I was like, man, there's this song they play live sometimes called seven, four and it's rad. And it's in seven, four time. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so, okay. Well, okay. So I, 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 I respect your seven, four and I stand corrected. <laughs> I think I do like that better. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but no, um, but it's interesting because like there's that thing in her voice, like say, like I think she's really kind of figured out, I think, who she is as a singer at this point, but the band is still figuring out who they are. Well, uh, when we talk to, about to that this point, album there is being no recorded. Band. Well, yeah, it's really just her and Jimmy at this point. Yeah, James Shaw. Her yeah. and James Shaw and then uh drum machine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the band will eventually get put together and uh, they're going to come out with Old World Underground and subsequently Live It Out. Before I get into Live It Out, though, because I have a story, sure. um, and I know we're already, we're almost at the end of the second track, Hardwire, but Grow Up and Blow Away, when I listened to it and you said, like, the title track, and you said you wanted to cover this, it's like, yeah, I know Grow Up and Blow Away. And then I hit play on it and I went, and I and then I opened up the Wikipedia and I was like, oh, oh, wait, no, no, I don't know this. Oh, really? I thought I did. And I think I just I, I mistook the title of the album. Oh, I thought like, it was living. And, 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 and I went, wait, but what was the and, and I was like, Old World Underground. OK, all right. I thought I was like, I thought this was their debut album. And then I got reading and it was like, well, arguably it was, but not really. And like, I, so I actually was not I wasn't familiar with this album. So was, I'm going to pause you again. Yeah. And. Focus on the song again, because mm -hmm. this is like a very unique song. Um, it's like, oh, I, and I love this song. Um, so this is Rock Me Now. Mm -hmm. um, it is 
like spoken word poetry by Emily Haynes with like James Shaw doing like we're just into the chorus now. So you get this falsetto from James Shaw that just like is kind of like a little bit spooky and eerie. Yeah. But she's basically telling this story about somebody like flaming out in Vegas. And yes. the imagery, the imagery is just amazing. It's like very different from what I was expecting. And if you've known the first two releases by by Metric and you listen to this, this is very different. And like the whole mood and tone of this album and the the music it, it's not what I was expecting from the, no. metric that, from the metric that I knew. So here's the thing. If like, as you listen to the more recent metric albums, it actually kind of comes back to this. Interesting. And, yeah. Um, not like completely like there's, there's things that they've learned, but like the like old world underground, live it out. Like, those are very like rock heavy albums. Definitely, um, they're like, a lot they more like, like full on, like yeah. And it reflects the times a little bit too, right? Because like literally, so this album was actually written in 1999, and it yeah, and I want to talk about all of that. <laughs> yeah, but it was recorded for the first time in 2001, yeah. and then it was eventually released in 2007 officially. Mm. It was available like I had heard it because it was available as a bootleg like uh, fairly easily, mm-hmm. but um, but a big thing that happened between when this album was first made. I love the piano there. Yeah. Oh, no. Right? It's a gorgeous, gorgeous song. What? Okay. Sorry. And it's like, they're talking about like Vegas lounge singers and you've got like that, that just like janky piano in there. It's so good. Um, But, but, um, (laughs) but yeah, so like literally 9-11 happened and the world changed. Like we kind of like, we're talking about this a little bit earlier, but like, well, we've actually talked about that. When this happened. Yeah. Yeah. The, well, the strokes I, we talked about. We, there we too, talked yeah. the strokes. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm, I'm thinking back to that moment in history and in music history, and you start to hear the influence of bands that come out of the early 2000 kind of indie garage revival scene in what I think Metric became for the early years of their of their career from like for the first two albums. I mean, Combat Baby was like yes. their biggest yes. hit initially and like it's it's in the name (laughs) like you know (laughs) there was a there was a a fundamental shift in the way everybody saw the world and like this reflects that kind of like the before times of that situation yeah and then um their later music reflects like that adaptation of like of the new kind of like normal and it's interesting to hear this after that right because yeah. it is that throwback in the way of like almost a more innocent time, a more innocent metric. Yeah. Um, but they still have like the same kind of like musical inclinations, the same like, um, you know, need for imagery and like explaining the world and stuff like that. It's just the world has fundamentally changed after this album. Yeah. It, you know, um, it, it, when, I, when I heard the first track, I think, uh, and I, I, when I, I make my notes uh, for these things, I scribble down. A lot of the time, my notes are like just references to other things. And mm-hmm. tell me how, if, if this resonates with you, in the first couple of songs, I wrote Sneaker Pimps, Hacker's Soundtrack. Yeah. Right? And I was like, yep. yeah, there's a, there's a late 90s 
to this kind of like sound and mood and tone that is going on at, more specifically in the early uh, couple of songs on, on the album. And it was like that f- slots in right in there with with stuff that was going on in like the late 90s. Even this one, you've got that kind of like groovy beat of like the late 90s yeah. that kind yeah. of like almost like placebo kind of like. Yeah, but but I also from the very opening of this and not just because it we're hearing an acoustic piano on this track, but because of the way it's being played, I heard the Emily Haynes and the Soft Skeleton album. Like, it, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. This this I, does I have a lot of, of that kind of same vibe for sure. So um, now my Soft Skeleton uh, experience, I would have been living in London. Uh, I was going to Western at the time that uh, metric were kind of breaking out. And I saw... Emily Haynes uh, perform on the Knives Don't Have Your Back tour in what could best be described as a high school gymnasium, <laughs> this this little venue in London. And I'm thinking, I'm like, I've seen you play on stages with Metric. And she's playing that like, we're literally like, somebody had to kind of like come and put out chairs you you know for people to sit and watch the show and it was a very small intimate show and they had like a screen projector um so she had someone on a uh that just had sort of like a laptop sort of like a kind of a basic electronic setup who would for certain songs cue like like backbeats and things uh that she was playing along with either on a keyboard or on a piano and they uh and throughout her her performance there was these black and white films these um like black and white uh very old um silent films being projected and i was watching and i was like i know this because i was i was a film student at western and i thought i i recognize this and then she proceeded to explain what was going on with the projectors uh, and the film. And they actually weren't old films. They were, they're new films by a um, Canadian director uh, named uh, Guy Madden or, or Guy Madden. He's a, he's a a Canadian filmmaker who make, who, who like would make old silent films, but like, we're in like the late nineties, early two thousands. And you would think these were films out of like the, the youth, you would think they're Millier films out of like the twenties. Mm-hmm. That, that was his aesthetic. And I was like, Oh, and they had bumped into each other. And she's like, I'm such a fan. And he's like, I'm such a fan. And she's like, I have this album. And when I was writing these th- songs, I was often thinking of them as being like the soundtrack to silent movies and he's like, that's really cool. I'd love to do something. And he's like, and she basically is like, would you be okay if I like played your films in the background while I performed? And he's like, that sounds excellent. That's totally what it, what I, yes, go ahead. You have my permission to do that. And I was like, that's how I know this. Like I had studied this guy's films like a year prior uh, at school. And I was like, what do I, how do I recognize all this? And it just 
blended all together so wonderful and so well. And I was too nervous to stick around and say hi or try and do any of that <laughs> stuff. I was just like, I'm just going to run away and enjoy uh, this this tiny little show of like 40 or 50 people that got to go see this and like experience this little moment. <laughs> um, and it would have been like a year or so prior to that where I would have been at uh, The Wave. Now, The Wave is an on-campus bar at, uh, at Western. Um, the Wave has had all kinds of acts pass through it over many years. Um, everybody from Metric to my own university band <laughs> has played that stage. And we all got free. T- it, was a, it was a free show where you had to get tickets to. I can't even remember how we get tickets, but um, it, it was free. This band, Metric, are doing their album release party for their new album called Live It Out. And me and a whole bunch of our friends and we all went, we got to go see Metric perform Live It Out and among their other hits from the first album for free. And it was amazing. And Emily Haynes literally rocking back and forth with her synthesizer, uh. like, like <laughs> head banging, shaking her synthesizer, almost threw it off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I had that same kind of experience of like, like uh, uh, what was it? The, the mod club in Toronto, same idea. Yeah. Like it was just, just absolutely rocking which it, again it makes this album like that more interesting because it's like it's before that you know yes much more like subdued right yeah. you know uh you don't have like yeah the person like shaking her shaking her uh, her synthesizer to the edge of the stage almost knocking it off and then and then yelling out into the microphone a lyric from the song she was playing that's <laughs> entertainment and we were like Whoa! Um, it was a uh, it, it was a, an extremely influential performance uh, for, for me. Like I was like, this is holy crap! This is how um, you yeah. That's how you do it. Uh, this entire band is so tight, and my god. Um, and then you go down the rabbit hole of reading about these people, and you find out you find out James Shaw like. Uh, yeah, you know, he used to live in uh, used to live in Brooklyn with members of the Yeah Yeah Yeah. Like, went to Juilliard, to like is went classically to, yeah. trained. Like. Yeah, and you're just like, <laughs> wait, you're like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, yeah, like just like, oh man, because like uh, so so often I, you think of 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 people that have guitars as just like just like just like people that figure this stuff out in their bedroom and find out how to make noise. It's just like, no, no, he knows what he's doing. And there's a reason why there's something that separates, you know, like, um, uh, you know, I think a, uh, a, like your average guitarist from like a musician and a, and a producer. Right. And and to that same, like that same skill level and like that uh, back to the intertwined, Toronto music scene that you were talking about, like Emily went to Etobicoke performing, uh, performing cool, the arts. Arts. Yep. yeah, with Kevin Drew and um, I oh I can't remember can't remember her name, but the lead singer of the Stars. So like, literally the first band that Emily Haynes started was with the lead singer of the Stars back in the day. Yeah, um, and <clears> like, <throat> and so it it they've, it's just been that kind of, like it was just all the stars aligning 
to create this, like, like, wonderful like, music li- literally yeah. Uh, yeah Charles Spearin as well um, went to Tobacco School of the Arts he would uh, he's a member of do you make say think and broken social scene mm-hmm. and like uh, you know but but it's also that Toronto thing where my buddy was just like yeah I took my kids to the playground the other day and I'm just there with my kids and I, he looks over and there's this other dad with his kids and he's like I think that's the guy from Do Make Say Think. You know? <laughs> it's like that weird thing where you're just like, oh, right. These are all just like people. They're just like working yeah. musicians, people that like live in the city and are just like. Jason yeah. Collette used to live in the same neighborhood as uh, me and a friend like a couple years after all this. Yep. And uh, so we just like we'd go down to the local. It was the Roxton was the the bar. And, okay. uh, and like Jason Collette would be there and I'd be like, I was just like listening to your album. Like last week, like what's up, <laughs> have a beer yeah. with them and hey. like just chat hey. for a bit and then go back over to our table. That was another really fun show at, at the wave was just like, Hey, Jason Collette, uh, is, is playing the wave. He has a new album out and there's like, all right, well, we're all going to check out Jason Collette. Cause we can all walk there from our houses. <laughs> right. Like it's like yeah. a 10 minute walk away at a bar in our, in our town. Um, you know, when, when, when you were like someone like me who you didn't live in Toronto, when you got those opportunities to, to see some of these acts, yeah, you, you had to go. Like, I mean, yeah. oh my God. Um, we used to, um, like, the friends that I used to go to concerts with in Toronto, like, uh, we sometimes you'd get, like, a, a friend that wasn't part of that group who'd be like, hey, um, oh, I want to see this headlining band. And they'd mm-hmm. be like, when are you going? I'd be like, well, we're, we're going when the show opens. And they'd be like, what? Well, yeah, because the openers are as good as the main yes. like headlining band, right? Yeah, and, like that was just what it was in, like back in the two thousand like two thousand like I like the Killers, right? The Killers yeah. are wildly popular now. I saw them open for a band because right. like, that's just what the the world was back. Like that was the music scene back then. It was like so yes. so many good bands that a lot of the stuff that I ended up seeing were, were like opening acts that ended up becoming these like crazy popular, successful things. I saw arcade fire open up for people. I saw, you know, like oh my God. It, it was just, it was what it was. Right. I, um, I have a, I have a signed EP for, of the arcade fire. That was like, it's literally like a weird doily thing that like, you're killing, <laughs> like, me. You're killing me. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> um, Cause there was a, there was a concert that, broken social scene actually had and it was on olympic island um, oh the island the infamous island show yeah, yeah. and yeah. so the the very first one was just unbelievable talent like like yeah. just stacked front to back i'd love to i don't have it in front of me and and i'm not going to try and pull it up but like i i'd love to see the the roster of that show i'm sure it's somewhere on the internet but mm-hmm. it was just unbelievably fun uh- the la- it's funny too like the way things kind of come full circle last time i saw broken social scene live they were opening for arcade fire yeah um at uh gosh uh what is now scotiabank place yep. they were okay. the air Canada center at the time um but like yeah the last couple of times i've seen arcade fire i wish i got to see them in their early days but like i'm glad that i've still i've been i've seen them twice but like yeah no i'm always like no we gotta go because like you know they're gonna have somebody cool open <laughs> right and then i was yeah. like and and so it's like i want to get there for the opener 
And it was like, okay. And we got there super early and barely anybody's there. And then there's like, all right, bringing out their, they had two openers and their first opener was Kid Koala. And it was like, oh, are you wow. kidding me? Finally. And I had like multiple times missed out on the opportunity to see Kid Koala because nobody ever wanted to get to the Radiohead show on time. So <laughs> I never got to see Kid Koala open for Radiohead. Well, we'll show up. We'll get there when we get there. I'm like, no, how about maybe we get there when we should be there so we can see all the show. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, I digress. I digress. I <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, I, I mean, uh, it's just like you say a band like Metric and it can't help but just sort of like trigger a bunch of like nostalgia of a very particular time in my life that connects to like a dozen other bands as well. You know, like just like this yeah, whole circle yeah. of music that I was really, really into uh, at that time in my life. Um, enough so that I was also like, you know, playing in, I was playing in a band in university, but then also put together like a separate band with like some other friends that just sort of like did that thing where it grew, where it was like, hey, we know this guy that plays violin. Hey, we know this other person that plays piano. Hey, we know that. And next thing we knew, we only ever played one show, but there were, but there were like eight of us on stage. And to us, we were just like, yeah, that seems normal, though, because don't bands have 50 people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I will say this is my favorite song on the album. Raw Sugar. Raw Sugar. Um, also, we've been talking like so like if anybody has heard like previous episodes where I've been on, we go like deep dives into like the musical theory of like what we're hearing and stuff like that. This one has just been like pure nostalgia tick right like we've barely mentioned the songs and i'm fine with that because that's yeah, kind of like I, what this is it and kind like, of is right and i'm not it's gonna also like such a mellow album that it's one of those albums that's like it's part of why I, I wanted to pick it was because it's it just it's fades in the background as being this like enjoyable chill thing which i thought was like perfect for us to just kind of like have a nostalgia moment yeah and you know what i i really I'm I'm feeling because like I have some notes and stuff and I'm realizing I'm just like <laughs> talking right through them all and we're already past like but I want to pull back to raw sugar uh, for a second although sure. I know we've moved on but I want to pull back to raw sugar because not the not the verses but when it hit the chorus I was like oh all right this feels like a very late '90s thing and then I wrote down Robin and I was like this is like a late '90s pop thing. And I love it, right? Like, I'm just like, I am into it. There's like a, I don't know, something in the cadence of of her her vocals mm -hmm. that like really hooks me into a certain kind of pop sen uh, sentimentality. Uh, se sentiment. Oh my gosh. Uh, I can't, I can't say words. Sentimentality. Right sentimentality. So thank you. Um, no but yeah, so it was another, I scribbled that down. And then once we got into the, the last couple tracks here of the album were now on white gold. I wrote down Amy Mann Magnolia soundtrack, <laughs> <laughs> which again, I like, I like, which is, I love Amy Mann. I love a Magnolia soundtrack. And it just sort of like felt very reminiscent of that to me. So when, like, when I see, like, when you look up this album on Spotify or whatnot, it's going to say 2007, but like, you need to contextualize it. Mm hmm right in, in in when it was recorded and when it was written and 
oh man, this song. Uh, and, and, and you'll think of it differently and you'll experience it differently, which I don't know. Um, I love context. You know what I mean? Like I, I love being able yeah. to place things in context. Um, that's, that's like, it's, it's honestly, it's one of the reasons I like this show so much is because like, we're, we're obviously listening to it out of context, yeah. but everybody has a different context for it. So it's like, we're, right. we're sharing our experiences of what our context was when we listen to it or what we like about it or, or, or whatnot. And, and I just, I always liked that about this. So should I, um, should I read a little bit of uh, Brian Howe's Pitchfork re- review of the album? I read that too. Um, yeah, go for it. Uh, just like a little snippet here. Metric's lost debut of Storts, recorded between 1999 and 2001, gives us a chance to get to know them more intimately. As a charming singer-songwriterly band, poised to arrive a little too late to the 1990s alternative rock boom, when they would have fit in snugly with bubble poppers like Letters to Cleo and scores of imaginary films like Self. Haynes is more attuned to the stylized, stylized melodies of modern R&B than indie rock's more naturalistic colloquial singing style. That's from Brian Howe's uh, Pitchfork uh, review of the album. Just a couple of oh. like quotes. I just I, I was like copy paste, copy paste. I just wanted to read those out loud. And I read that, and, and yeah. I so I do agree with it in regards to this album. Yes, but. I love what Metric became. Um, Absolutely love what Metric became. And I think if like the prophecy that he had described had come to fruition, they would have like they would have faded into that massive like you know like what that style was, mm-hmm. and they might have been lost to it, or it might have just been a one and done kind of album thing. But mm-hmm. what they brought to the table in um, Old World Underground and Live It Out and like fantasy like all of their albums since then like it's it is definitely more raw but it's also more interesting in that way because you have this like this poet and this um you know classically trained musician who through the state of the world are reacting in the only way that they know how and that's like musically violently if that makes sense like it's just okay, like yeah yeah they come out and they're like you know what though this is how we feel and mm-hmm. and i think that's why they've always stood out to me is because you can tell that they've got this and i've always known that they've got this side of them but to see them have like see what they have been in the world that exist that exists now right like like it's it is interesting because we have this context of who they were at that time and then yeah. who they became. And yeah. I like who they became. And that reflects my own journey, if that makes sense. Like I'm, yeah. I'm old enough to have gone through that too, right? Like I lived yeah. when this music was relevant and popular and, and all that kind of stuff. So it, it is my, like it's the music that defined me, right? Mm-hmm. And it reflected my own journey of like, I had all these dreams and these thoughts of what the world was. And that's kind of what this album is. And then you see in the later albums, how that like is changed and like the beauty is still there, but it's, it's a little bit more raw and there's a little bit more of an edge to it of I'm, 
I own this and I'm not going to like give it up. I'm not going to, you know, uh, I'm going to fight for that, those images, that, that beauty, that like, you know, that sensibility. Um, and I think that that's, that's why I connect with it so much. Um, mm-hmm. And why I love this album so much is because I think it shows that journey better than, better than many, like almost anything that I've seen in music. Cause most bands come out of, they're they're like one side of the coin, right? Um, right, right. And because of when this got released, and because it was, um, it had that kind of like delayed release. I think you, it's a rare opportunity where you get to see the world literally impact the music in a way that you you rarely get to to feel. Yeah, and and I think there's something to be said too about like we, we you know you can kind of put this in its little time thing and you can also, you can listen to it after live it out and be like, this doesn't sound anything like, (laughs) but, but also like, but you have to also like, remember just like, but you know what? You don't, you don't have metric without this. Yes. Like they had to, they had to go through this process of writing, recording this entire album and then go, and you know what? Let's, let's put, let's kind of put a pause on this because we're working out some other stuff right now and a different style and kind of who we are as a band and what we want to do. But what I find even more interesting is that however many years later, they'd be like, all right, yeah, let's just share this with people now though. So this song right now that we're listening to is soft rock star, but the Jimmy versus Joe mix. Mm -hmm. And earlier on was the original soft rock star that hadn't been modified. And like, Again, this was released after that. And you've got a little bit more of that edge. You've got a little bit more of that, like, like the other one is like kind of slow and drawling. And this one's got that, it's it's a little tighter. It's a little more staccato on the notes. It's a little more like there, right? Um, less wistful, less. Yeah, I don't know. I just this this <laughs> album is a very interesting time capsule. And I've gotten a little metaphysical and I'm going to pull it back, but I like that though. Like, I, and that's what I like about, uh, that's what I like about these conversations, uh, like on the show and specifically with you, I'll, I'll say as well, you know, you, uh, the, the way that you talk about music lets me look at it in a different way than maybe I, I usually do. Um, and it's kind of what I love about, 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 doing the show you know it's it's uh what's the word i'm looking for i don't know it's it's simultaneously educational and therapeutic and i don't know it just brings me a lot of joy yeah same i love being a guest it's fun i know oh boy so speaking of that and speaking of like the different so i i'm proposing live on the show a bit of a, a challenge. Hey. So go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm like, okay. Yeah. Let's okay, what, so, what's... <laughs> The challenge is this. So we're always bringing music to you. Yeah. It's time for you to bring music to the people as well. To the people. Um, to the people. So I'm challenging you to an episode sometime in the future. No, no okay. specific date. Okay. But you're going to bring an album to the table yourself. And, uh, and you're going to you're going to talk to me about about an album that you would like to listen to and, oh uh, and share that with me. I, I OK, I so yes, I, I yes, we're going to do that. Um, 
is that's really exciting to me. I'm looking around my, my room right now. I'm looking at my record collection and I'm just like, but what? But what what would it be, though? Um, so don't tell me. Don't I w- think about okay. it and don't tell me and it'll be a surprise. We'll, we'll like whatever next episode is with the um, the another time capsule thing. This will also be a surprise where I won't even know what album I'm listening to. I think okay. that'll be cool. Okay. Uh, okay. I think that's going to be a lot of fun and I can't wait to do that. And, and if, uh, you know, any, uh, of our past conversations or any indication, my guess is I'm going to go, I want to do this album. And you're going to be like, yeah, of course. Yeah. That makes sense. Cause <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what's exciting to me is that like, even like, I know a lot about music. I have listened to a lot of stuff, but there's still stuff that you bring out that I haven't heard. So okay. I'm, you know, I'm, I, I feel like no matter how this goes, if it's something I haven't heard, um, it'll be something that I'll love. Or if it's something I have heard, it will have been something that I love. So I, I'm, yeah, it's a win-win for me. I, you know. <laughs> so let me ask this then: um, Do you want me to try to pick something that I think might be new to you, or or that you might not be familiar with, or do you want me to pick something like specifically just for me? I'm going to give you this, something that you want to share, mm-hmm. whether or not you think I've heard it. So this is more for you to share, and not just for me, with the listeners, something that you want people to listen to. We'll go with that. Okay. Okay. Um, what, what your number one thing that you think that people should be listening to? Oh, boy. All right. All right. Or should have listened to, or will listen to, or Eric. But like, yeah, let's, let's go with the name of the show. What are you listening to, and what do you want us to listen to? Okay. All right. I'm into it. Okay. We're gonna do this. <laughs> We're gonna do this. I can't wait. Um. So I don't know about you. I have the thing that happens with Spotify where it just likes to auto shuffle and keep playing something. So mine went right. In, I have it like. Uh, the the albums of metric pulled up so mine actually went right into empty from live it out and quick story about that for about five years i had a like cd alarm clock and i had this album in there because empty is actually a really good song to wake wake up to because it slow builds so like you wake up like really nicely to it because it slowly wakes you up and then you're hearing this great song and like oh so highly recommended if you're looking for an alarm clock. <laughs> um, so let me say this about Empty. Oh, so for me, by the way, it jumped to Too Little Too Late from Live It Out. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. so, so thank you, Spotify, for, for assuming that I want to listen to more metric after listening to that. <laughs> um, so Don't we all? Empty would have been what they opened with when I saw them at that, uh, at, at that album release party in London. Um, and... Uh, have you ever seen them perform empty live? Yes. So I want to say that the, the time that I saw them at, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that it was, it was, uh, that album tour that I saw them at, um, uh, last time. Anyway, continue. So they opened with empty. It's like, you know, first song on their new album. Great way to open the show, right? Because they know it's a great way to open an album. And the album, you know, the, the songs are slow and then ex- kind of explodes. Yeah. And it, you know, it's shake your head. It's empty. And, and she thrashes her head 
back and forth. Yep, left yeah, and definitely, right, left, yeah, right, I definitely left, have seen right. it live. Yeah. As soon as yeah. you described that, I was like, yep, yep, yep. I yeah. know what you're talking about. I've seen it. <laughs> so, um, so I, I would like, I, I'd like to, if you can find a performance of it on YouTube, I'd like you to go watch it. And then I would like you to also then go uh, watch Brie Larson's performance in Scott Pilgrim versus, did I say Brie Larson? Did oh. I get that right? Yeah, and you're Scott right. Scott Pilgrim versus the world with uh, Clash at Demon Head as they play Black Sheep. Black Sheep, which is a song written by Metric for the film and performed vocally by Brie Larson, where she's like she's doing her best Emily Haynes. Like that is yeah. definitely what's happening when she's on that stage in that movie. And she even does the the empty uh, dance. And it's just like the first time I saw that movie, I was like, Emily Hintz. And then I went to, <laughs> and like, and I watched through the credits and I saw, and I saw it was just like Matt Trickett. And it was basically, I mean, that movie was just like, they're just like, well, if this entire movie is going to take place in the annex in Toronto, well, we better also go to like, the annex you know, in Toronto go, and do all the, yeah. Go to the, film the entire thing in the annex, which they did because I was living in the annex at the time. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and like, let's also get like every Toronto musician to like be a consultant on this movie and like teach the actors how to play their instruments and like yeah it's um but the so, first time i saw it i was like boom that's emily haynes right there <laughs> i used to go to lee's palace and the club above it the dance cave yeah enough that i to this day still have a vip pass to that place oh wow i, I can just like go in <laughs> Oh, that's amazing i yeah. i think i recall you bringing that up uh in our first episode with the strokes Oh yeah, my maybe. gosh! I, very, it was it was a big moment for me. <laughs> and just, you know, <laughs> we're talking. You know what I, I I like about our conversations? We get so caught up talking, talking, talking um, that we can go two songs deep into the uh, into the <laughs> algorithm here. And Arcade Fire's Creature Comfort just started playing, <laughs> and I love 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 this song. It's my I think it's my favorite song off of that album. Um, and it was produced by um, Jeff Barrow, uh, or Barrow or Barrows of uh, Portishead, which might be part of the reason that it's maybe one of my favorite songs. So solid. I'll just leave um, that I'm, there. I'm still in the, uh, uh, the guitar and the bridge part of Empty because uh, you know what? I, I've heard. Yeah, I can't do. I can't do Portishead now. I can't do Portishead because well, like yeah. I've, I've already revealed it. So. Um, so uh, yeah, I, 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 I have heard some Portishead songs. I, I've never listened to a full album. Oh boy. Um, I, a good starting point I would recommend, and it will probably come up when I do a little, uh, a mini episode I'm going to do with a few people, um, where we talk about our favorite live uh songs but uh a great starting point for portishead would be the 1997 98 uh live album okay uh live at the rosalind Ball ballroom where they play with a full orchestra and mm -hmm. and but the entire time you, you listen to this album you'll be like why didn't they ever get to do a bond song half of their songs <laughs> sound like they're themes from james bond movies <laughs> cool. um uh, so we should probably wrap this up but i want yeah, a course. challenge to the listeners here um okay. since we've definitely gone over the actual length of the album and you probably also yeah, have, like random songs pop up put in the comments what what you had happen what what was your we, i had empty um 
he had too little too late. What was your first song that popped up after the album was done? That's great. I want to hear them. Uh, you can you can email the podcast at you're listening to pod at gmail.com. Uh, and you know what? If uh, you follow me on Spotify, there's a little link in the show description. Apparently, you can send me little uh, audio messages. I will get them. They will send to me through my little podcast feed. And uh, if you want to leave me audio messages, I can play them on the show. So enjoy. And I think that we will wrap up. So Izzy, thank you so much. Um, thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun and I got to get exposed to like a, a, a different little era of metric that I wasn't as familiar with. And it was a yeah. lot of fun. I, I'm happy that you have like another time capsule thing like locked and loaded because it's just like it's a nice little segment. Yeah, yeah uh, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, once we're off the air, I'll tell you who it is. <laughs> <laughs> and, if you're, and if you're the listener, you will have to wait. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks. Anything you want to plug? We have a uh, D&D live stream that is going to be streaming soon, but we don't have any info for that. So because um, we haven't finalized all the stuff. But by the time this comes out, we should have some things up on the socials and on the, the Twitch and whatnot. And we are calling ourselves uh, part time adventurers. So if Love you it. search for part time adventurers, you should be able to find us. We do a live uh, live stream. Uh, we're planning on every Wednesday uh, from 9 p.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're going to play a bunch of uh, fun uh, fun magic people in, in Dungeons & Dragons and have some laughs and be goofy and do the things. I can't wait. It sounds like a lot of fun. It's uh, the, uh, the the PTA, right? The part-time yeah. adventures. <laughs> and, uh, and we will be starting up like in the next couple of weeks. So depending on when this is released, uh, it might be right around the start start of the new campaign. So that means there's not a lot of stuff to catch up on, maybe just uh, an episode or two. So uh, come check us out. Perfect. All right. Can't wait. Uh, thanks so much again for joining us. And uh, we look forward to, uh, to doing it again. I can't wait. I, I'm going to bring you an album. It's going to be a blast. Ooh, excited. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you soon.